Yeah, what if I give up my plans and what if I choose God's plans? That's going to be something we'll talk about tonight. Hey, my name is Dave Palmer, uh, director of Annex. I'm just really grateful that you're here with us uh, on this Tuesday night. Uh, this is the first time that we've been on this little like stage in front, so you can let me know if you thought it was creepy or cool later on. Make it or break it, I don't know. I've never heard of that before, but I'm 36. There's a lot of things I haven't heard of. Um, uh, one of the things that maybe you've missed, if this is your first time to Annex, we've, we've been talking about Messenger or Messenger series. Messenger is, this, uh, is, a, is an opportunity that we offer, have offered every year for the last 30 years for college students like yourself to say yes to be sent overseas to serve in the name of Jesus um, in communities that we're connected to as a, as a church community um, with, with people on the ground in, in different cultures. And so you heard tonight from, um, from two of our, our people that are now Messenger alums that um, served um, in Puerto Rico this last summer and was really grateful to hear from Carson and from Sean. And I would just say so far tonight, the highlight of the annex is easily Sean's um, sneakers, which are by far the best. Um, and that's not sarcasm. That is honest truth. Um, so that's Messenger. And so we're doing this four-week series introducing. I'm um, putting that invitation in front of you um, to consider. Uh, we will, uh, applications are due um, in January, so there's still time to think about it. Um, but definitely something that I would encourage um, every person in this room, regardless of whether or not you think you know what you're going to do this next summer, it is my encouragement that you, that you um, regardless of how comfortable you are with the idea, that you would um, consider um, asking uh, the Lord what he thinks about this opportunity for you. And uh, that will make maybe a little bit more sense as we um, dive into tonight. One of the common frustrations that I've connected with Messenger and people's experience on Messenger is that, um, that plans are often, um, often don't come to fruition. And uh, our team tonight didn't share too much about that, but I um, I know that uh, when I had uh, Red Robin with Carson, um, one of the things that, that we, he talked about was um, some of the things that he hoped could have happened and his aspirations um, for specifically helping communities and the incredible amount of resources that had been brought into Puerto Rico um, for, um, the, for, for, for relief after the hurricane, and um, yet we're sitting in a giant warehouse and not being used. And, um, and so plans not working out um, the way that, that he had hoped common experience um, for Messenger. We're told, um, often messengers are told, hey, this is what you're going to do for the summer, and then they get to the, to the, to the, you know, to the country where they're sent, and um, it doesn't happen. We make plans for two reasons. I think all of us make plans for two reasons. One, we want to maximize the time and the opportunities that we have in front of us. We make plans to maximize the time and the opportunities we have in front of us. All of us know someone, or maybe we are that person, who really doesn't plan anything in their life. And inevitably what happens is, like, not much. A lot of scrolling, video games, maybe some smoke and some weed on the couch. But um, many people who are seeking to maximize opportunities in front of us are people who make plans, right? We decide we're going to wake up, we're going to go to class, we're going to work out, um, we're going we're gonna to do the thing. We make time for homework, relationships, whatever. We make plans to maximize these opportunities that we have in front of us. That's one reason why we make plans. The second reason that all of us make plans, at a, uh, some, some plans, but I think all of us do this at a certain level, is to get what we want. We all want stuff in life, and the best way to get the stuff that we want is to make plans to get it. I don't know if right now you're considering that December 25th is the day where, for whatever reason, people buy you stuff. And you might be thinking, just like me, there are certain things that I want, 
Anybody? We're all going to fake it? All right, here's what I want. I'm just joking. Um, but no, but right? And so I don't know about you, but um, maybe you're thinking about how am I going to get what I want on December 25th so Santa Claus doesn't screw it up, a.k.a. mom and dad, right? So we make plans, maximize opportunities, get what we want. Jesus invites us. Jesus, the invitation of Jesus is this. Come and follow me. Jesus does something for us we cannot do for ourselves. He does it on the cross and through the resurrection. And he says, come and follow me. Take on my life. Do the things that I did. Do the things that I taught my followers to do. And your life will never be the same. In fact, it will never be better if you decide to follow me. And maybe you're here tonight and you're just here to learn about Jesus. And so you're just learning about what this invitation is. Or you're here and you're like, I've said yes to this invitation. I consider myself a Christ follower um, or a Christian. So, The question for you in particular, if you do consider yourself a Christ follower tonight, is this. How do we plan our life and follow Jesus? How do we make plans? How do we live a planned life while following Jesus? And there are three essentials that stand out to me as I look at the life of Jesus in particular that teach us how we can and ought to plan our life in light of following Jesus. The first is this, have correct expectations. Following Jesus, following Jesus will mean being willing to not get what you want. Following Jesus means being willing to not get what you want. Or another way to say it is this, Jesus is not committed to giving us what we want. I don't know about you, but one of the paradigms in which I understand love, somebody who loves me is somebody who gives me what I want. Certainly my, um, my, my, my children uh, believe that to be true. Um, they want stuff from me all the time. In fact, one of my um, children right now, she's five weeks old, and when she wants stuff, she really wants it, and she'll, she'll wake up at, at all hours of the day to let me know. But beyond that, of course, I give it to her. Well, I don't give it to her. Her mother gives it to her. But that's a whole other biological story that we'll work on later. Um, but anyway, um, so, but, but think about, like, later on in life, as we're thinking about the people that, like, that really, like, care for us, you know? It, often we think about, like, who are the people that, like, that give me the things that I really want? And I don't know if you've ever had friendships that have been broken because they were unwilling to give you what you wanted, perhaps out of the friendship, or it was a, uh, uh, something more tangible. But Jesus, Jesus is not committed to giving us what we want. There's this very terrifying interaction that Jesus has with this guy that I sort of resonate with on sort of a level. This guy comes up to Jesus, and this, this, this man um, was a self-proclaimed righteous person. He was somebody who understood what it meant to follow God very well, who actually lived out the teachings of the Torah as a Jewish person. He considered himself someone who was devout to God and doing what God told um, us to do and, and living the righteous life. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, teacher, you are someone who clearly gets God and gets this life of God. So tell me, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he quizzes him, well, do you, like, you, do, do you follow the rules? And he's like, yeah, I follow the rules. And he's like, great, that's awesome. Okay, here's what you need to do. What you need to do is you need to sell all of your stuff and give all that money to poor people that really need it and then come follow me and my guys and gals as we travel around um, and do God's stuff around, um, around Judea. 
And the guy looks at him, and he just is crushed. Because this is not what this man wants. Because this man is very rich. This man is very rich. He has lots of wealth, lots of connections, lots of opportunities. What he wants is for Jesus to um, fulfill him spiritually and, and continue on with the life that he is building for himself. The beautiful four to five home, uh, you know, ha- room uh, home with a three-car garage, the beautiful wife or the husband, um, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the happy 401k, being able to vacation in Hawaii at least two you know, weeks um, in the, in the summertime, that's the life that he wants, and to be righteous and to have eternal life. And here's Jesus clearly disregarding what he really, really wanted. What I see ultimately, too, what I see in this, um, what, what, um, what, especially in this moment, that for us, I think a lot of um, Jesus' peers, a lot of the people who were following Jesus at the time could not have identified with this man quite like us because they were not as rich as we are. Most of the people that followed Jesus were abjectly poor. They didn't have much money, and they were wondering what, what they were going to eat next week because that was a real question. For us, we're not worried about what we're going to eat. Most of us are going to be fine financially the rest of our life. Most of us are university students, so we have a leg up over the rest of the world. We're in the top 1% in terms of educated people in all of the world. We're going to be fine financially if we just work our connections. So this person is terrifying to me because he is somebody who is most like us who interacted with Jesus, and Jesus is not interested in giving him what he wants, which is a life of financial security and spiritual security. See, money is an ultimate idol for us because money promises the power and ability for us to get what we want, right? Money promises to us the ultimate power and ability for us to get what we want. So as long as we have money, we can get what we want. And as we plan our life, most of us are shaping our life around some sort of um, uh, security around money so that we can get what we want. And here's Jesus saying, I'm not interested in that for you. I'm not interested in that for you. Earlier in Matthew, Jesus is explaining to his followers that he must die to be um, uh, again resurrected. And, And Peter looks at him and says, dude, that is not that can't possibly be the right plan. That can't poss- that's not what God wants. That can't possibly be the plan for you. Jesus isn't interested in giving us what he wants. And the interesting thing is Jesus also was, um, uh, uh, was denied by his father the things that he wanted as well. And in that moment, um, when, Paul, when Peter says, Jesus, you can't do this thing. You can't go to the cross um, and, and be um, you, and killed. That, that is not the way the plan is supposed to go. This is what Jesus, uh, Jesus says to Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You want what you want, but I want what God wants. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their crosses and follow me. And this is gold and terrifying, but so important if we want to know what real life in Jesus is about. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, all of the promises of the world, all that money can buy, yet forfeit their soul, their very being, who they are to the core, Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus says, you want me to give you what you want. 
But that's not what you need. What you need is a transformed heart and a transformed life. And the only way to get that is by denying yourself. Letting go, actually, of that aspiration of gaining the whole world so that you can gain something more important, namely myself. Jesus says, I'm not interested in giving you what you want. I want to give you what you need. So, I don't know about you, but I grew up in the church where we kind of were able to figure out how we could work out some passages and some scriptures so that we could be comfortable standing in front of the Lord and justifying and really asking a lot for the things that we really wanted in life. Jesus doesn't give us a lot of room for that. So, first, correct our expectations. Jesus is not the rich dad that's going to give you what you want. Next, essential. Ask Jesus. Don't tell Jesus. If you want to follow Jesus and plan uh, well in your life, ask Jesus. Don't tell Jesus. And so often, when I think about my own prayer life, when I'm talking to God, mostly it's like a punch list of all of the things that I want Jesus to do for me. I want to be healthy. I want to be blessed. I want my kids to be protected. I, that's the life, life stage I'm in. Um, when I was in college, it was, I want, I want to get good grades. I want to succeed on a test. You know, I want things to work out with that really dreamy Christian girl that I met on Tuesday night. Um, I want to um, get that internship that's really important for my career. Right, none of those are bad things. But looking back on the dialogue in those, that season of life, and even this current season of my life, most of my dialogue with the Lord is just telling him what I want. But interestingly, Jesus does not model this behavior himself. Jesus was in intimate relationship with the Father, God the Father. And in John 5, as he's explaining his relationship, who he is, to his disciples, he says this, Very truly I tell you, the Son, a.k.a. myself, can do nothing by myself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus did not tell his Father what was going to happen. Jesus asked his Father, what are we going to do? And that shaped his entire life. In fact, when it got really, really hard, when, it got really, when things got real for Jesus, the night before he was to be crucified, which he knew would include incredible public humiliation and incredible physical pain, he knew that was going to happen. He asked the Father, Father, would you please take this from me? I actually do not want to do this. But, he said, yet not my will but yours be done. Jesus did not uh, tell his father. He asked his father. This is an essential part if we are actually going to follow Jesus with the plans of our life. For me, the most painful um, moment of asking rather than telling was actually the, the season that moved us from a place that we were very comfortable with to this place that was just totally new to us. My wife and I, Erin, had been married for three years. We were living in this very, um, very small but very cool apartment in Santa Monica, California. And we had, the, we had the thing dialed. When you think about post-life, post-college life, we were living the freaking dream, okay? 
We were a mile and a half from the ocean. We played sand volleyball most Saturdays with our friends at Court 9. And we were down the street from the best ice cream shop in all of Los Angeles, which was an essential. And we um, had grown an incredible community. So much so that people, our friends, in, in the months before the season, decided to move into our neighborhood so we could all live in the same place together. So we didn't have to worry about getting in cars. We could just walk down the street. LA traffic, no problem. We were neighbors. We were living the freaking dream. And then this opportunity to do this other job in this other place came up, came onto the, 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 my plate. And I felt like the Lord was like, you need to check this thing out. I'm like, okay. I tell my wife about uh, this job. And my wife says, that's so cool. You're totally welcome to interview, but there's no way in hell I'm moving to Colorado. Straight face. Eyes focused. Yeah, Rob, oh boy. Well, we went through this very um, uh, wonderful, difficult process where the Lord opened up all these doors we never imagined the Lord opening up that would lead us to a new opportunity, a new job, and a new life in Boulder, Colorado. And so many good things about it. But at the heart of it was this. This is not what we wanted for our life. This was going to destroy my surfing career, right? I had a freaking office with an ocean view of Malibu Surfrider. I could see Third Point before anybody else, right? I mean, Luca, it was, it was the dream. And, and, and we had friends and family and community. This is where we're going to raise our kids. This is going to be the best. And then all of a sudden it was like, nope. This is it. This is what I want for you. And I remember flying after um, interviewing here, actually being, coming out with Aaron. We had a job offer. Coming out, checking it out. We're going to pray around. going to be super spiritual. But mostly we were just in the Marriott, terrified about moving to Colorado. And, um, and I remember flying home into L.A. And, you know, when you fly into LAX coming from Colorado, you fly over concrete for about 45 minutes at like 300 miles an hour. And you start to think, wow, this is a really terrible place. And I remember thinking, I've never loved concrete so much in my life. Like, Lord, how do I stay in this concrete jungle? Because I'm just so scared. I'm so scared. This isn't what my life, this isn't what I planned. All of these good things, Lord, how can we leave the party at 9.30 at night? Everybody just got here. How, how can this possibly be it? And when the Lord brought that up in a conversation the reason that you are unwilling to go is because you're scared. You don't really want to do what I want you to do. You just want to do what you want to do. You talk a big game on Tuesday night with your college students, but are you actually going to live it out? And so we said, okay, fine, you win. You're Jesus and God and stuff, so we'll actually try it out. We'll do it. And we moved here. And let me tell you, it has not been a perfect experience in terms of comfort, but it has been absolutely the right move for us because the Lord has been faithful and really good. And I'm so grateful. But the Lord was not interested. The Lord was not interested in what we wanted. He was interested in us asking, not telling. Painful but, difficult, and painful but really important lesson for us. Finally, following Jesus. If we're going to follow Jesus with the plans of our life, we also need to embrace the reality that God is more interested in the process than he is in the end goal. So embrace the process. In our times of best intentions, when we plan to maximize the time and the opportunities we have in front of us, right? Good reasons to plan. 
Jesus, in fact, himself teaches us to be wise, to not be wasteful. Don't, 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 you know, the, the New Testament ethic around alcohol is, there's no, why would you get drunk? Your life is so important. Why would you, why would you go to a place where, where you no longer are clear-minded and effective witness of the life of Jesus? You're wasting something that's so precious. That's the ethic around alcohol. Why waste time doing that? Your life is so important. And so Jesus himself sets out this vision. No, maximize opportunity. Maximize time and effectiveness here um, as you have um, for the kingdom of God. He's interested in that. But so often, so often things do not work out the way that we think might be the most effective or the most efficient in our life. And we look at them as they unfold and we say, God, why are you wasting my time? Why are you wasting my life? I can't tell you how many messengers I've talked to that have said, well, you know, five out of the eight weeks were really great, but three of the weeks we didn't really do anything. Why did we waste our time? There was one really uh, a powerful moment in my life where I had moved from Seattle post, um, uh, I'd done an internship in Seattle in college ministry. It was a great experience, and I'm like, felt like the Lord's call. Okay, college ministry, Dave, this is, what, this is where you're headed. Do this until I say stop. I'm like, Lord, game. And then the next move was an internship in Malibu, which wasn't really what I, I didn't want to do two internships in a row. That seemed a little bit like, wow, Dave, like not very impressive. You're 25 and an intern. But I said, yes, at the end of that internship in Malibu, I'm interviewing for three ministry positions. Two of them are college ministry director jobs. This is like the dream gig. This is why I did a $4 an hour job for two years in a row living in a stranger's house. This is the dream. This is the call. And I'm, I'm, I'm giving it my best effort to land these incredible jobs in ministry. And I get a call from um, ministry number one. Sorry, Dave. Um, you know, you were one of our two finalists. We really love getting to know you, but we really felt like the Lord's calling the other person. Well, crap, George. Thanks a lot. Have a great life. <laughs> Next call. A guy that had mentored me for multiple years. A guy that had interviewed me, that knew me better than anyone else said, Dave, you know, I'm really glad you're one of our two finalists, but we really felt like the Lord is calling the other guy. So I went from, and then, and then the third job was a job I felt like the Lord was like, you want that just so you can live in Malibu. You, you're not actually called to that. So here I am, standing in July, in the middle of a hot summer, with no jobs, wondering what in the world were the last two years all about? Why am I here in California? Lord, possibly, w- w- what are you doing? What a waste of my time. What a waste of your time. Lord, what are you doing? But Jesus seems as invested in the process or more so than he is in the end goal. And in that whole process, he was shaping me, molding my heart, helping me ask the right questions. Hey, is this about me hearing from you what you want to do, Dave? Or is this about you trusting me and waiting for the right door to open up? Well, here's the deal. Here's the, the, the long story short. If I had gotten either of those jobs, any of those jobs, I would have not ended up on a date with Aaron Chenin on August 18th, 2008, the day that changed my life forever. I would not have two beautiful children with her, be married to her for eight years. I would not have been a candidate for the Malibu Prez um, college, college director position. These are things that the Lord, I believe, had in mind when all of those doors closed and it didn't make any sense. Lord, why are you wasting my time? And the Lord's thinking, Dave, you have no freaking idea. Would you just slow your roll? Slow your roll. And trust me on this. 
Besides, I'm more interested in shaping your heart, shaping your life, shaping who you are rather than just trying to like punch your list of all the things you want for yourself. Friends, all of us in this room, except for Rob and I and maybe a few other uh, stragglers, are in a very essential moment, season in your life where many critical decisions will be made that will shape the rest of your life. There is a um, psychologist who calls the 20s the defining decade. Indeed, most of us will make 80% of the most important defining decisions of your life in your 20s. And so when you hear, just be open to God for your plans, you're freaking out because you're like, I have so many important plans that need to happen for my life to work out for myself relationships, career direction, who you're going to be, where you're going to live, all of these things lay in front of you right now. It feels huge and overwhelming, and you want to get what you want. That's what we do as humans. And Jesus is saying this, I got something better. It sounds crazy, I have something better. But here's what's really important. Following Jesus will mean losing your life that you want to build for yourself. It will mean losing the life that you want to build for yourself to find a new life that God creates for us. It will mean following Jesus. It will mean following Jesus will mean that you are no longer the main actor, the priority, the focus of your own life, but instead others, the vision of God's kingdom in the world, and the people around you now become the most important people. This life in Jesus, let's just be real candid about it. This is not another way to get everything that you want. This is not an accessory to get round out your life. Academics, become smart, educated, get some money, relationships, find the right person, find perfect romance, and then the spiritual quadrant. With Jesus, you can just fill out your spiritual sort of success and feel good in your soul. When you, when you, Jesus is not interested in that. Jesus wants to transform every part of your life. And he says, if you really want life, if you really want it, you gotta lose it. You gotta lose it. You've got to scrap the idea that your life will work out if I just do everything that you ask me to do. Instead, ask me what I want your life to look like. And it's going to be better. It'll be different, but it'll be better. That's following Jesus with the plans of our life. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, when we think about these things here, at least when I think about them, uh, on one hand, I get, I'm, this scares, it's, this scares me, Lord. Even after all the lessons that I've learned about trusting you, about letting go of plans, about asking and not telling, Lord, I still find myself um, every day tempted to wake up and to tell you all the things that need to happen for my day to be successful, all the things that I want. And then there are those days where I decide, no, I'm actually going to say yes to what the things you've put on my heart that really aren't the things that I'm interested in. Somehow, Lord, those things actually work out better. Lord, um, would you uh, speak to us when we have the courage to ask you where you'd like to lead us, how you'd like us to live, the big decisions, the little decisions? And Lord, would you meet us in that life when we take the courageous step of losing ourselves for the sake of finding ourselves in you? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.